This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Credit Counselors. If you're struggling with credit card debt but don't know where to start, our trusted partner, Christian Credit Counselors, offers a debt management program that can get you out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. Contact them to get out of debt today at ChristianCreditCounselors.org. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Luke 16, 11. I am Rob West. That verse is a stark reminder that we'll all be judged one day and have to give an account of how we've managed the resources God has given us. Do we have a blind spot when it comes to faithfully managing money? I'll talk about it today. And then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, there's no question that each and every one of us wants to hear those words in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Many Christians believe that verse is about tithing, or perhaps even sacrificial giving, and that's certainly true, but not just about giving back 10% to God's kingdom. It's also about how we manage the other 90% that God has given us. Deuteronomy 8.1 tells us that God provides every penny we have. It reads, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. God created all things, and therefore He owns all things, including us. Psalm 50, 10 and 11 states, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. God is worthy of honor and glory in all things. Revelation 4, 11 states, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 teaches that there is nothing too mundane that we should not honor God in its practice. It reads, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And Colossians 3.17 teaches, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, if God provides all things to us, are we honoring Him in all things, with every financial decision we make? Are we choosing faith-based financial solutions? Does glorifying the Lord enter our minds when we decide where to shop, invest, and even where to keep our checking and savings accounts? We can certainly avoid shopping in stores or ordering online from vendors with ungodly corporate practices and policies. That's easy enough. We can also choose investments that honor God and make the world a better place. That's much easier these days because there are many financial institutions in the faith-based space that can guide us to God-honoring investments that don't sacrifice principles for performance. But what about banking? Actually, that may be the easiest of all. A one-time move to an institution that honors God in all of its policies. If that's been on your mind, you're not alone. Christian Community Credit Union, an underwriter of this program, recently conducted a nationwide survey of 1,300 professed Christians. It found a strong belief that banking should be faith-based, just as much as investing. 
Over 30% of respondents considered switching banks in the last 12 months. Alignment with Christian values was in the top three reasons why. 60% care deeply about managing their finances biblically to honor God. And over 50% said it's more important than ever that their bank reflects, aligns, and supports their Christian values. Well, CCCU has taken this a step further and completed another survey where over 250 devoted Christians shared their insights and perspectives on stewardship. 90% of the respondents said they think about whether their finances reflect what God wants. Still more research shows folks have a strong desire to align their bank with their values. They just don't know what options are available. The bottom line is that stewardship is important to most Christians. They take 1 Corinthians 4-2 very seriously, and it reads, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So I would say to you, if you're looking for faith-based financial and banking solutions that align with your beliefs and values, consider Christian Community Credit Union. You can find out more at joinchristiancommunity.com. Again, that's joinchristiancommunity.com, or by calling 800-347-CCCU. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. You know, folks, as we think about how you can relate and interact with this program here, there's a couple of ways. Beyond even calling, you can always send us an email, askrob at faithfi.com. You can also jump into our community when you visit faithfi.com, post a question, answer somebody else's question, and join a community of faithful stewards. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. Have you downloaded the FaithFi app yet? You need to do that today because this is going to make your life easier. Yes, you can manage your money through the in-app envelope feature, but also plan out future goals. I want to buy a house in five years and I'm on track to do that. Here's also what I like. You can connect with people around the country. It's like social media, but better. Ask a question, get an answer and share what you're learning about money and investing. So why don't you grab your phone right now and download the FaithFi app? Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, uh, we're going to take your calls and questions in this segment. We've got room for several more. Lines are open. Gabby T. answering our calls today. She's standing by. The number to call with your financial questions today, 800-525-7000. You can call right now. Uh, Let's go to Mount Dora, Florida. Hi, Linda. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I was speaking with my financial advisor today. I was, I've was i been trying to live on my Social Security, and it's just not possible. And so I'm going to start. I have an annuity. I'm going to start cashing out. But he recommended this other annuity that would, if I put 360000 cash out my mutual fund and add some cash to it, I would get um, 6% interest. I'd get income for life. 
something around, I'm trying to figure this out, something around $28,000 a year. Does that sound like a good plan? And it can go up to 38000 Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it certainly could be, I mean, um, uh, you know, I like the 6% guaranteed, obviously, uh, you know, we want to match your investment plan with your needs, not taking any unnecessary risk, but also making sure you are provided for and that you have enough income. Um, what is your shortfall per month, uh, just based on your other guaranteed income sources? How much do you really need on a monthly basis? Well, I've just been trying to live on my Social Security, and I'm not making it. I probably need another 2000 a month. I do have uh, I have some money in the bank, and then I have another annuity I could cash out, and I have these money market funds. But, you know, they go up and down, and so I'm not – I wanted something yeah. a little bit more stable. Sure. Okay. Um, so you said you need uh, another couple of thousand a month. What, what are you bringing in right now? Just Social Security? Yes. Uh-huh, okay. That's all. And, and how much is? Last year. Okay. And how much are you getting well, per month there? After well, after they take out the tax and the other medical, it's about um, twenty five hundred. Okay. And you need about forty five hundred. Well, I think with all the bills and repairs that have been coming up, I do. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. Uh, I want you to have a good understanding of that. And perhaps, you know, you doing a deeper dive into your spending plan would be a good idea. Now, tell me what assets you have today. What investable assets do you have in total? Uh, What do you mean investable assets? So you said you mentioned an annuity, you mentioned money market. Give me a a kind of a rundown of what you have. I have annuity. I have annuity. I have this money market with 260,000. I have um, a couple IRAs. They don't have a lot of money. And um, let me see what else. What's the value of the annuity? The annuity that I have, let me check. I have a pill. Actually, I have two. One. The value right now is twenty-seven thousand, but the other one is. Um, let me see. And just just roughly would be fine too. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just trying to find the total. Oh, one hundred seventeen thousand. Okay. All right. And how much are you, are you pulling any income from either of those? Are you making up that shortfall every month right now out of the money market? I've been just paying out of my savings account. And and is savings separate from the money market or are those the same thing? Yes. What I have in the bank, I have a savings account and a checking account. So I've been paying out of that. Yeah. And how much do you have in savings? A hundred thousand. And same in checking. Got it. And another hundred and ten. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Well, I mean, if we put all of this together, uh, You've got about a hundred and fifty thousand in the annuities. You've got another two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, so that's uh, you know five hundred right there, or excuse me, four hundred thousand between the money market and the annuity, and then two hundred thousand on top of that. So you've got about six hundred thousand all in. Um, you know, so if we were to take that six hundred thousand and pull out six months worth of expenses, 
Uh, so let's say your expenses are 4,500. And so let's just say you need 50,000 uh, for six months. So you'd have, you know, you let's say you put that in savings. So you've got 50,000 savings and you were to take that 550 that remains and invest it, you know, that should throw off that 2000 a month that you need, where over time, uh, you don't have any de- decrease. Uh, now, in any given month or quarter or even year, you may have a, a, a decline. But the idea would be that over time, as long as you're pulling out no more than 4%, which is, you know, 4% of 550,000 is 22,000. So that's not quite 2000 a month, but it's close. Um, you know, that should be able to be maintained where you could maintain the principal balance and pull out the income that you need, which means you still have your 550000 available if you need it down the road. That's one of the downsides to the annuity is although, yes, they, they have a place and it is a way for you to transfer the risk from yourself and the stock market to an insurance company for a guaranteed return, you're losing access to the money without surrender charges and penalties. And so I guess what I'm saying is I want you to have plenty of liquidity. So that's why I'm saying let's let's at a minimum put six months worth of your expenses, the total expenses, in savings so that you've got that there. But the idea is that it's just an emergency fund. You're not touching it unless you have something truly unexpected. And then you take the roughly five hundred and fifty thousand, and I'm I'm totaling up checking and savings and annuity and annuity and money market and IRAs, and we invest that um, in you know probably what did you say your age was seventy one. Okay, so at seventy one, I mean typically, and this is not this is just a rule of thumb. You'd probably have maybe forty percent, thirty to forty percent in stocks, or maybe thirty percent stocks, ten percent in gold, and then the rest in bonds, um, and that you know, more conservative portfolio would have some growth factor could allow you to pull out that 4% a year and still at least maintain, if not grow the balance a little bit. And you'd hire an advisor to build and oversee that portfolio for you. Now you are at the risk of the stock and bond market. You can lose value. So you'd have to be okay with that. But I'm just saying that's another alternative where you're not locking up the majority of your money into an insurance product where you can't get to it, even though there are benefits and you named the primary one, which is that guaranteed rate of return. So I might just get a second or a third opinion before you make the decision. We recommend, of course, the certified kingdom advisor designation. You could connect with two or three CKAs there in Florida on our website, faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA and talk about the other scenarios. And you may decide that the annuity is the very best thing for you. I just want to make sure you know that there's other options. Does that all make sense though? Yeah. So by putting all this in, I'm, yeah, I'm not leaving. I'm leaving a hundred thousand out in cash that I would have by putting a hundred thousand in. I'd be leaving a hundred thousand out in cash that I would still have. And the rest would be tied up in the annuity. Okay, right. Yeah. So you'd still have 100000 in cash, which is good. I think the key is I want to make sure that we're solving for what you really need, which is 2500 a month. And I want to do that in a way, if possible, where you can still have access to your capital, both what you have aside for emergencies and beyond that. Let's say you needed long-term care and that was going to be 10000 a month or you know something like that, where you could get to the money if you need it. So 
certainly I'm not opposed to what you're talking about. Not all annuities are created equal, so that's why I'd get a second or a third opinion from a certified kingdom advisor. I hope that helps, Linda. Thanks for your call. Back with much more right after this. Stick around. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, SoundMind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. soundmindinvesting.org. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, back to the phones we go to Florida. Hi, Bob. How can I help? Uh, yeah, thank you, Rob, for taking my call. I really appreciate your program. Thank you. Um, a friend has been, uh, has been told that uh, she has only about three to five months yet to live due to medical problems. She uh, also told me that she was planning, because of that, to put her son on the deed to her mobile home in order to make things easier for him to sell it after she dies. And uh, that way I wouldn't have to go through probate. But I remember a previous program uh, where you had said that it might not be the uh, best thing to do, but I don't recall all the details for your reasons. I think it had to do with taxes and the increase in value of the the uh, property. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, Bob, it, it has to do with what's called a step up in basis that occurs when you inherit the property. The challenge with her just transferring it to her son, which would be a gift, whether it's half or all of the property, let's say she does a quit claim deed to her son, she'd then make a gift to him. That's not taxable because you can do up to $13 million this year uh, over your lifetime. Um, so let's take that off the table. But the, the real issue is that he now inherits her cost basis. So the what determines whether or not there's a capital gain at the sale is the cost basis, which through the uh, quit claim deed, if she gifts it to him, uh, he'll have to go back to what she originally paid for it to determine capital gains. Uh, although if he inherits this, then he would get that step up in basis. So the cost basis is not what she bought it for, but it's the market value as of the date of death. And then he essentially would have no cost base or no capital gain if he turned around and sold it. Uh, so there's a real benefit there from a tax standpoint, especially if she's owned it for a long time. Uh, so what's the way around that? Well, there is no TOD deed, which we were talking about with the previous caller in Florida, but they do have something called a ladybird deed, which functions similar in a similar way um, that would allow it to be transferred outside of probate. So uh, does she have a valid will? And if so, I'd, I'd reach 
uh, have her reach out to that attorney to talk about, you know, if she doesn't want it to pass through probate, why? And if that's the case, what could be done? And they may want to consider this ladybird deed. Okay. And what, what would be the, um, um, the lady bird deed that is a, I'm not sure if I followed. What yeah. It's a life did. estate deed that allows her to maintain control of the property. But when the, uh, when her, she dies, the property automatically transfers to the beneficiary without going through probate. Um, and you still get the, the step up in, in basis, uh, so you get the the benefit uh, of the step up in basis, but you don't have to wait for the um, you know probate process for the home to transfer. Okay, yeah, that sounds maybe better. I, I just remember that wasn't uh, what well, seemed logical to be part of the deed, and it would be deeded over. She thought she'd put both names on the deed, have both names on the deed. But if you put or on there and she died, it wouldn't be a problem. But I don't know if that really makes sense or not. Yeah, I would get legal counsel on that. But anything he receives by way of gift, which if she owns 100% of the property, any portion that's transferred to him prior to her death would be a gift. He's not going to get the step up in basis on that. So that's why it's best. And again, this is all you know best discussed with an attorney, but just in general, it's best if he inherits this property and there are ways for him to inherit it in a more efficient manner if she's concerned about the probate process. Okay. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it. Very good, Bob. Thanks for your call today. Uh, to Lorraine, Ohio. Hi, Frank. How can I help? Oh, great. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I inherited $72,000. I'm trying to figure out what I should do with that. I owe like $25,000 on my house. Um, All my cars are old. I have to probably replace one. And then uh, I have a daughter who's got probably another three years of college uh, that I have to pay for. Yeah, very good. So you said $72,000 is the inheritance? Yes. Okay. Um, and what is the interest rate on the mortgage? It sounds like it's probably pretty low, huh? Yeah, it is. It's like four. I think it's about okay. 4%. Yeah. So, I mean, I would start with those things that would result in, if you had to borrow for them, a higher interest rate. So, obviously, if you went out and bought a car and you couldn't pay with cash, uh, you know, apart from using some of the inheritance money, that interest rate's going to be at least, you know, probably close to double uh, what your home interest rate is. Um, the same would be true, obviously, with you know, the college if you had to borrow. Now, the nice thing about you being so close on the house is, you know, it's one thing to put money against a house and you don't quite pay it off. So you still have the same mortgage payment. The benefit you have here is if you knock out that 25000 now whatever that payment was, you free that up every month. So you're now putting, you know, more in savings every month. But I would probably start by just kind of, you know, praying through what are our values and our priorities? Uh, you know, do we have any giving goals out of this? And then beyond that, I would look at what would result in the highest interest rates, probably going to be making sure you get the college paid for. Um, so you could, you know, look for maybe we go ahead and set aside a year's worth and then we set aside a portion to buy the next car and then the rest, you know, um, if we can pay off the mortgage, that's great because then, you know, we could take that and begin using that to fund 
college. If not, we may want to hold off on the house because it's at the lowest interest rate, you know, and maybe we're setting aside a couple of years uh, or of the of the college or even the whole thing and then the car on top of it and then just keep paying the mortgage out of current cash flow. And when you ever, you know, when you have surplus, maybe you're making an extra payment or something just to accelerate it. But I think if you're going to have to borrow for either of those two other goals, college and the car, then those are probably priority. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thanks for your call today. We appreciate it. Uh, To Alabama, Aniston. Hi, Penny. Go ahead. My sister and I jointly own a Florida timeshare. She wants to buy my half. Will I owe tax and how much? Yeah, so she wants to buy it. Um, so it is a personal a capital asset. And so the, the sale is reported on Schedule D with your capital gains and losses. Uh, and then the gain would be uh, income. So you'd want to look at, uh, you know, what is the gain that you would have on that? Uh, you know, when you sell it, and then that would be reported on Schedule D. So what I would do is connect with a CPA there in Aniston, Penny. Anytime you have something out of the ordinary like this, you just want to make sure you get good uh, professional counsel. And we certainly wouldn't want a, a tax liability to catch you by surprise. So I'd reach out to a CPA there in Aniston and go over the details. Thanks for your call. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast. But tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.